You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 107. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 107. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, master certified life coach, teacher, and recovering supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, supermoms. Are you doing a back to school happy dance? Woohoo! <laughs> so nice to get back to routines and structure. At least I never knew how much I needed routines and structure until I became a mom in the summertime. And I just thrive in that environment. So I hope that you are enjoying back to school. I'm up here at my lake house cleaning it up. It did not burn down in the forest fires. It is very smoky with yucky air, but we had some cleaning up to do. It smells like smoke inside the house. Had to clean out the fridge and the freezer because the power was kept going on and off. So we have to throw everything away. A bear got into our garbage. So it's nice to get it tidied up, you know, get all the ashes off of our deck and our paddle boards and stuff. But it would be nice if we could do it with some clear blue skies. They are still very smoky. Well, today's question is a great one. Before I get started, I want to tell you about a webinar I'm doing coming up in this month in September. It's on the 22nd, and it is called Five Ways to Help Your Struggling Teen Without Overstepping. So it is a webinar that I'm offering for free for parents, really particular moms. I think moms have an extra hard time with... Just the letting go process, our role has been so defined by raising kids, and I think it can be. So dads are welcome, but moms especially, it's geared towards. And so when you watch your teen struggle, it's really hard, and you want to help, and you try, and you advise them, and you tell them what they should do, and they don't do it. And so we get stuck and in feeling like we want support, and we want to like genuinely help and not just, you know, watch them flounder. (laughs) So there's, I'm going to do a webinar about that, and it's going to introduce my class called Leading Your Teen. I'm going to open registration for that after the webinar. So on September 22nd, I will open registration for this wonderful group coaching class for moms. Sorry, dads. You can do the one-on-one program, dads. I did have dads take it last time. But the group coaching class is so nice because we get solidarity and support and just it's amazing to like watch somebody else be coached and go like, oh, my God, I have the same issue or that's exactly how I think. But it's also really nice to watch somebody be coached and be like, oh, my gosh, I never thought about thinking it that way at all. I I respond totally different. I don't worry about that. And it's kind of a nice little boost. And it helps with the flexibility of thinking. And it helps us get unstuck and see things from different perspectives. So I hope you will check it out. You can sign up for the webinar at lifecoachingforparents.com slash pandemic hyphen teens. The pandemic has done a number on a lot of teens. So we're calling it pandemic teens. 
five ways to help struggling teens without overstepping. And then if you're interested in leading your teen class or the one-on-one coaching program, you can go to leadingyourteen.com. All right, well, let's get to today's question. This comes from Monique. Monique writes, I can't get anything done. Anybody else relate to that? (laughs) It's a very common complaint. She says, I'm thrilled that school is back in session. Really, I am. But I am gobsmacked at how little time I have for myself. I have been holding my breath, waiting for all my kids to be in school at the same time so I could finally get a moment of peace. Now that it's here, I feel trapped and overwhelmed by the schedule and everything on my to-do list. Mornings are 100% about getting the kids out the door. There is no time for me unless I get up ridiculously early and that feels like torture. Afternoons are complete chaos, trying to juggle carpooling, homework, after-school activities. I need to get dinner on the table all by myself while my attention gets pulled in a million directions. While the kids are at school, I really should be exercising because it helps my stress level. But how can I prioritize myself when there are so many other demands on my time? Isn't this so (laughs) well-written? Isn't this articulated in a way that we could all really appreciate? I love it. Okay. She continues. By the time the kids are in bed, I'm too exhausted to do anything. I'm so frustrated that this is my life and I can't see any way out. P.S. My husband is a firefighter, so he's gone for extended periods of time. With fire season, it's not like he's off vacationing, but he's so tired and out of sync with our routines that he is no help even when he is home. Monique. All right. So normally I start with like the parent educator answer. So in this case, she says, I can't get anything done. So I might get some helpful time management tips, right? Of Like how to get more things done. I might normally say something like, Make a list of activities that require no brain power that you can do while you're distracted. Laundry, dishes, things like that. And only do these activities when your kids are around. That's a time management tip. Save the activities that require mental focus and attention, like writing emails, trying a new recipe, talking on the phone, until you are by yourself. So that's a tip. But... (laughs) Any suggestions I make when Monique is in this energy? Like if she came to a coaching call, I would not give her any advice. If you had, if Monique was your girlfriend and you guys met up for a glass of wine or a cup of coffee and she started telling you all about this, you wouldn't want to give her suggestions because they're going to make her feel awful and she already feels awful. If you read this, even though this might have sounded familiar, I certainly could relate to this. So I want you to think about what is the emotion that Monique is in while she's writing. Notice the energy with which she words things, right? She says, I feel trapped and overwhelmed by the schedule and everything on my to-do list. There's no time for me at Afternoons are complete chaos. I need to get dinner on the table. I should be exercising. I can't prioritize myself. There are too many demands on my time. All 
the emotions that are coming through the writing are overwhelmed, powerless, trapped, stuck, exhausted. Like there's so many kind of helpless, uh, the emotions that are coming through. And so when someone is feeling powerless, helpless, trapped, and exhausted, you cannot give them tips and advice. (laughs) They are not in a place to receive suggestions. So I'm going to skip the parent educator answer, and we are going to go to the life coaching answer, which is why is Monica feeling trapped, exhausted, frustrated, overwhelmed, and tortured? Why is she feeling this way today? Okay, is what I think would be helpful to take a look at. I want to start by asking if any of you relate to this. I want you to imagine that there's another mom out there who has the same schedule you have, the same amount of kids, the same ages, the same life, the same sports, the same activities, the same, you know, partner situation, that there's another mom out there who's got the same schedule, but she doesn't feel the same way. She doesn't feel frustrated, trapped, exhausted, overwhelmed. Maybe she feels busy and needed. Maybe she feels valued and purposeful. Or maybe there's another mom out there who feels guilty and ashamed for not getting more done in a day. Oh, you know, she instead of getting overwhelmed and frustrated, she kind of gets her, her energy lower. She feels sad and embarrassed. She, she kind of goes through her day quietly feeling like a failure. Can you imagine that that's possible? Or maybe there's a mom out there who doesn't notice how much she accomplishes in a day. She doesn't measure her worthiness by how much she accomplishes, how much she gets done. Maybe she isn't interested. She doesn't care about her to-do list. Maybe she cares more about how she looks and she prides herself on how she appears rather than what she accomplishes. So this is not to say that there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. I just want to show you that some flexibility, that there's many different ways to think about the situation. So many times we look to other moms as evidence to prove that we're not doing it right and we're not good enough. I want you to look at other moms, but I want you to look at them as examples of how flexible our brains are and how powerful our thoughts are. So the reason that Monique is feeling so powerless and exhausted is because of the words she is using. And this isn't just the words she wrote. This is the words that are going on inside her head. So it's subconscious, right? These are the words that are floating around inside her brain. I'm not blaming her, but this just our brains on default. They're just going to come up with stuff and that may or may not be helpful. And she's got a lot of words that are not helping her feel good. Words dictate how we feel. They've got a lot of power. So when we use words like, I can't get anything done. I should be exercising. I need to get dinner on the table. It creates a helplessness and a powerlessness in the body. And we react as though it's really, really true. We feel trapped. It's like our little psyche thinks I am in prison and my prison guards are my cute little children and they won't let me do anything other than what I'm doing. We can't see any way out when we use powerless language. Helplessness is one of the worst things for the human psyche. 
All humans have an innate desire to be free. So freedom and feeling free is super important. Monique feels trapped by the schedule and overwhelmed by the to-do list as though they have more power than she does. The way she words, there's no time for me and this is my life, it's as though she's just reporting factual details, right? She's just like reporting the news. Like it's going to give anybody who thinks this way the exact same feelings that Monique is feeling. If you said there's no time for me and it just feels true and it feels like this is a fact and you're just reporting, (laughs) it's going to create the feeling of helplessness and it's going to make you feel angry, resentful, frustrated, powerless, all the yucky stuff. So let's just try this on for a minute. I want you to practice. I want you to think the thought to yourself, I am tired. How do you feel when you think the thought, I am tired? Chances are, if you're a normal human, you feel a little bit more tired. (laughs) If you think the thought, I am overwhelmed, notice where your brain starts to go. I'm overwhelmed. Your brain starts looking for things to be overwhelmed by. It starts looking for all the things you have to do, all the different people around you and things you have going on. I am is an extremely powerful statement. So you want to be really careful when you use those words that whatever follows the words I am is something you want to experience because you are guaranteed to experience If you say, I am excited, you're going to start feeling more excited. If you say, I am peaceful and calm, you're going to start feeling more calm. It's subtle, but if you pay attention, you will start to notice this subconscious reaction. So now, just a forewarning here, our bodies don't like it when we lie. So I would not suggest that Monique start saying, I am fully rested and happy to be here because her body's going to resist and rebel against that. But she could ease into a softer I am statement like, I am tired, but that's okay. Or I am tired, but I get to rest. Or I am managing a busy schedule. And those kinds of thoughts can be more neutral, but will create some more peace in the body. So the good news is that all of this is fixable. Monique is such a perfect candidate for the Super Mom's Getting Tired and Coaching program because she would feel so much better at the end of 12 weeks. Like her transformation would be unbelievable because of so much of it is in this language she's got that is totally fixable and it's creating the emotion. And so all we need to do is change the way she's thinking and she's going to feel so empowered, like she could create whatever she wants to create. The most important thing for Monique to recognize is that she's creating her own negative emotions. And I don't mean that in like a blaming way. Like I hate when she's, you know, someone's feeling terrible. You don't want them to like, guess what? You're creating this yourself. Like that's not nice or helpful, but it is good to know that this is coming from the brain. And it's not your fault. We have these primitive brains. that They just run around on default settings that aren't helpful. But that it is changeable. That she has the power to change it. 
nodded and I'm not doing it right way. Watch out for that inner demon because that inner demon will prevent you from making changes. If you say like, I'm not doing it right. I should be thinking nice thoughts. Like, Do not beat yourself up for thinking negative thoughts. Just think something like there is a skill set I can learn that will dramatically improve my life. The second thing Monique can do is to stop using the words, I can't, I have to, I need to, and I should. I hear moms use these words every day. These words all create a feeling of helplessness and keep us feeling like prisoners with our children, our house, and our to-do list as our prison guards. To set yourself free from this mental prison, focus on what you want instead. I want to feel calm. I want to feel efficient. I want to pick my kids up at school. I want to feed dinner to my family. This is what's kind of cool about it is if those don't feel true, like if you say, I want to feed my family and your body is like, no, I don't. (laughs) It feels like a lie. Great. Don't do it. Let them feed themselves. Go through a drive-thru or switch it to I intend to feed my family. Maybe I don't want to, but I will feed them. At least it's not imprisoning. It's just more neutral. Remind yourself daily that you can do whatever you want to do. You do not have to pick the kids up at school. You could go to the movies by yourself and make them wait for you or walk home. You don't have to feed them dinner. You could listen to them complain about how hungry they are or let them eat cereal or yogurt for dinner. You might choose to feed them because you don't like the alternative, but that freedom is yours for the taking. You don't have to participate in the soccer practice carpool. You might choose to because you want to do your part and you like having the days off and you like seeing your daughter happy and sweaty after soccer practice, but you don't have to. You don't have to do laundry. Your kids can wear dirty, stinky clothes and probably won't even mind. You might want to do laundry because you don't want to be embarrassed publicly by what they wear to school. We are always free. We are born free and we die free. Even when we have three little monsters demanding food, time, and attention, we still could walk out that door and never come back. We choose not to. Because we love those little monsters. I remember I had a client whose mom abandoned her and her siblings at an airport. And so when she, obviously at the age of 12 or whatever she was, 11, she was like, that's not a good mom thing to do. And so she came up with this belief, says, when I'm a mom, I will never leave my children. I will not abandon them that way. Unfortunately, when she became a mom and they hit like three and four years old, she had never left her children. She felt completely trapped. She felt like a good mom is with her children 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so through the process of undoing that belief, she learned how she could be a good, loving, attentive mom and still leave her children with other people. Today's Supermom Kryptonite. This is going to get a little heady, I think. So hang in there with me because it's coming back around. We'll come full circle at the Supermom Power Boost. 
But I just found this so fascinating. I kind of geeked out on it, and I hope that you will too. So one of the things that concerns me is I'm talking about feeling free. And I want to differentiate that between civil liberties, okay? Because there are certain things that our governments can do to create freedom. And I just wanted to, I don't want you to think like, oh, I can just feel free whenever I want. And it doesn't matter what restrictions the government imposes on me, that as long as I feel free, that's what matters. And so, okay, it's super important. And we have, we could do so much to feel way more free than we do. But I wanted to just talk about this dynamic, these two different kinds of freedom. Okay, so today's Supermom Kryptonite is fighting for freedom and negative liberty. So you cannot turn on the news these days without somebody shouting, they are trying to take away my freedom. So I've been talking above about the feeling of freedom that's really important for our spirits, for our essence to feel alive so we can feel like self-actualized human beings living our best life. We need to be free to do whatever we want. If not, we bop that back down level two fear and we fight for freedoms because we think that we you know, don't have them. So we just got to be really careful about these two things. Okay. So when people shout about politics, taking away freedoms, what they're really talking about is civil rights or civil liberties, the rights of citizens to political, social freedom and equality. So I don't want to minimize this distinction by saying you can feel free whenever you want if you live in a place with some strict government, religious, cultural policies. Okay. So I'm just going to read these arguments for people of people who are fighting for freedom, and I want you to guess what they're fighting for, okay? So here's a quote from someone fighting for freedom. Requiring someone to wear something or do something is an overreach of governmental power. Who do you think is making that argument? If you guessed anti-maskers, people who don't want to wear masks, then you are correct that requiring someone to wear something or do something is overreach of governmental power. I should be able to decide whether I want to wear a mask or not. That's their argument, right? Try this one. Who do you think is making this argument? Every human being has a right to own their own body and should be able to decide what to do with their body. If you're thinking about vaccines, you're incorrect. (laughs) This is a pro-choice argument that uh, you should be able to own your own body and that no one else should have a right to decide what you should be able to do with your body. All right, try this one on. Who's making this argument? This issue that I'm about to tell you about is fundamental and essential to maintaining liberty as are the rights of free speech, free press, freedom of religion, and other encroachments on our liberty. What issue do you think is as important and essential to maintaining liberty as free speech, free press, freedom of religion? If you are guessing the right to carry a concealed weapon, then you are correct. (laughs) How about this one? We are for medical freedom and body autonomy. Our bodies are ours, not for someone else to govern. We are fighting for our freedom. Is that a pro-choice argument? That is an anti-vaxxer argument. 
All right, how about this last one? We have the right to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Doctors should not be allowed to decide who lives and who dies. Is that about vaccines and COVID? No, that's an argument for and against euthanasia. It's actually the same argument on both sides, <laughs> that we have the right to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So I just thought this was really interesting because, especially because of the recent Texas court decision to ban all abortions after six weeks of pregnancy. I used to work at Planned Parenthood, not at a clinic that performed abortions, but doing, I was a perinatal educator, so I would help the women who were continuing their pregnancies helping them get like access to nutrition and eat enough calories was the big thing because I had a lot of young people who had bad diets and poor people. Um, I had uh, patients who needed help like acquiring car seats and um, living in healthy environments. They're not abusive, things like that. And I always thought if people could work at Planned Parenthood for one week, I think they would become pro-choice. That it's easy to make a values decision based on where you are in your own life and your own mindset. But when you expose yourself to the realities in other people's lives, it changes. And I'll never forget this one woman. We had a lot of refugees that came from, gosh, this was years ago. I'm going to say Romania, but I don't think that's right. Anyways, we had a group of refugee women who came in. This one came through. She just delivered her baby was like, I think they come in for a six-week or eight-week postpartum checkup. And they meet with the midwife, and then they would meet with me, and we would talk about birth control options and ask if they were interested in birth control. And this woman was in the darkest throes of postpartum depression I've ever seen, just like sunken eyes, just no, and like a walking zombie. And I remember asking her about birth control and she just looks down at the floor, not even at me. And she just says, I will have as many children as God gives me with absolutely just like repeated something that she'd heard so many times. So here she was living in a country that had lots of civil liberties and freedoms, but she still mired in the social religious fundamentalism that she just you know, brought with her from her previous country. And she it wasn't a free choice for her. She was really just reciting what she'd been taught to recite. So, so Texas just uh, banned all abortions after six weeks of pregnancy. So women in Texas can still feel free by thinking, hey, I've got some choices. I could go to another state to, to have an abortion. I could take the morning after pill, maybe find a back alley coat hanger clinic to do the job. You know, Texas has ruled to remove civil rights for half their population, now making it one of the least free states in our country. So there's actually something called the Human Freedom Index. So this is a global measurement of personal, civil, and economic freedoms. They rate all the countries and see who's got the most freedoms. I thought it was really cool. So it's a very long, well-researched academic report. These authors ranked countries from highest to lowest on things like uh, security, safety, movement, religion, the freedom to assemble and uh, civil society, expression, information, identity, relationships, size of government, 
all sorts of stuff, okay? Access to sound money. I thought, oh yeah, that's important. Better than having access to unsound money. So unsurprisingly, but still fun to see and fascinating, the top 10 countries that rank highest on happiness ratings also ranked highest on the Freedom Index. Finland, Switzerland, New Zealand, Norway, Austria, Denmark, Canada, the Netherlands, and a new one for the happiness index, my family's country of origin, Luxembourg, made the happiness list in 2020 and is also in the top freedom in the countries that got the highest rankings on freedom. The U.S. ranked 17th on the freedom index and 18th on the happiness So the Freedom Index defines freedom as a social construct that recognizes the dignity of individuals and is defined by the absence of coercive restraint. So individuals have the right to lead their lives as they wish, as long as they respect the equal rights of others. So countries that ranked highest in freedom trust their citizens to make good decisions that are right for them. They respect free will as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. So I can choose not to wear a mask at a grocery store, but when I do, I compromise the freedom of others to shop safely. So my freedom restricts the freedom of others. The government creates laws to help people enjoy their civil liberties. So I love knowing that if I buy property in the U.S., no one can take it away from me without consequences. There are laws in place that protect my freedom to come home and not find squatters in my house. My beloved Costa Rica scores high on happiness ratings, but low on the freedom index because the criminal system there, the legal system does not impose restrictions on criminals or very minimal restrictions. So they have negative liberty, meaning they have non-interference by government. So people can do what they want without consequences. They can steal your stuff. They can put a gun to your head. They can, you know, usually steal your stuff. (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) They want your stuff. So this impacts the security and the economic freedom freedom for a majority of the citizens so that people aren't free to walk after dark because someone can, you know, steal their things and and hold a gun to their head. They're happy, but they are not free. And so I was at Hong Kong, I think, did scored high on freedom, but not on happy. So there was a few discrepancies, but most of the happiness of freedom was the same. So negative liberty is non-interference by others. If your kid doesn't want to go to school, negative liberty means fine by me, no interference. We have created laws that make this illegal because getting an education increases the child's civil liberties. It gives them more access to economic freedom, social freedom, So when your teenager says, you have no right to take away my cell phone, I should be free to watch porn all day if I want to, you can tell them, you say, actually, I am increasing your freedom, increasing your civil liberties, giving you access to education, jobs, transportation, and relationships with real human beings. By restricting this one freedom, this one cell phone access, you increase his access to a more fulfilling life. Positive liberty removes the constraints that impede one's personal improvement 
or the fulfillment of individual potential. So positive liberty cannot be imposed by others. This is where it gets tricky, right? Your teenage son is going to be like, but when I watch porn all day, I feel like the best version of me, (laughs) he might argue. He might say that I'm living my best life by sitting on my Xbox all day, right? So, but positive liberty cannot be imposed by others because naturally we have conflicting views on whether and how to achieve self-improvement. So positive freedom means different things to different people. If you told your teenager that they have to play football to fulfill their potential and have a meaningful life, it restricts freedom because no one else can impose their idea of self-improvement onto somebody else. I could say joining the military is going to improve your life. But if I impose that on you, that might not be true for you. That might not make you feel free. Just like when I have this really bad relationship with meetings, like I just hate sitting in meetings. I bore them. I would rather teach. I'm a teacher. I like to get up in front of the room and talk to me. I'll lead a meeting, but I don't want to sit there. Unless, I mean, it's got to be really inspiring. And so when I sit in a meeting, I feel imprisoned. <laughs> I feel my body hurts. My, I swear my body just starts tightening and my back starts to ache and I get tired. Of, I just not good at in, I'm not good indoors. I'm not good sitting still. And I'm not good listening to other people. And so to me, that feels like a prisoning type place. But for somebody else, they might love meetings. I mean, they love parliamentary procedure and order and structure and they love the communal camaraderie, whatever. So we, when politicians decide that women are not allowed to make medical decisions about their own bodies, they're taking away freedom like a country that imposes marriage for 13-year-olds. They're taking away civil liberties. So today's Supermom Power Boost is to practice feeling free. Freedom is not just an important feeling, but it's also a valuable civil right. And we have a lot of freedoms. We're not on the top 17, the top 16, but we're better than others countries. So we got a lot of freedoms going on. So let's make sure that we have both, that we're enjoying our civil liberties, valuing the civil rights that we have, and feeling as free as possible. So we're going to practice not imprisoning ourselves with our thoughts of I can't, I need to, I have to, I should. And two, by not imposing our values and ideologies onto others, but instead focusing on our own self-actualization, our own self-fulfillment. What feels fulfilling to you? If being a stay-at-home mom and homeschooling your kids and doing crafts with them all day long feels like freedom, awesome. You should be able to do that. If it feels like prison, you should not have to do that. Today's Super Mom Power Boost is to practice the feeling of freedom so you can experience how good it feels because the more you feel free, the happier you will be. When you interact with others, your joy will leak out. You will infect others with joy and freedom. When you experience the benefits of freedom, you'll want to encourage others to seek it for themselves. 
without assuming that you know what's right for them. So, you know, what I remember this client very well, where she was really trapped. She thought that, you know, I can't leave the house. I have to be there. I have three kids under five, one of them special needs, like really just thought her job was to die on the sword for the kids, just self-sacrifice and just do the mommy thing all day long. And so I finally, with much encouragement, she was an introvert. She really needed quiet time alone in order for her to feel free. And for her to be the best version of her, she needed solitude. So finally, I encourage her to go check in a hotel for a night. And she is just comes to life. And she's like, oh my God, like she is a completely different person when she comes home. And her husband's like, I know what your love language is. It's hotel rooms. And he starts gifting them to her for Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, birthdays. He's like, here's a couple nights at a hotel. Because she came back feeling so alive and free. And so when she's in that place, what does she want to do? But she wants to tell her mommy friends, you should do it. You should go spend like two nights in the hotel or go do that thing that you want to do. She starts encouraging her friends. And she ran into some judgmental people. There were people like, oh, I could never do that. And like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you left your kids. And, you know, there were the critics out there. But the enthusiasm and the freedom she felt was contagious. She started giving other people permission to make choices that were right for them and live their best life so that they could do what, what felt like freedom to them. So my favorite way, uh, besides hotel rooms, to practice feeling free is the thought, I can do whatever I want. I will walk around my house. Anytime I'm in a bad mood or I'm feeling tired or trapped, I walk around my house. I'm like, I could do anything I want to do right now. Holy smokes. I could clean this house, but I don't have to. I could get on an airplane to Tahiti. Yeah, but I choose not to right now. I could sit on my couch and read a book. Would I rather fold some laundry? I get to do whatever I want. I can be married or single. I can earn money, spend money, invest money. I can make my teenager cuddle me, but I choose not to because she does not like it and that's taking away her civil liberties. I am free to do whatever helps me become the best version of me. So I want you to practice the thought, I can do whatever I want. And notice the feeling of liberation in the body that it gives you. Today's quote of the day. There are two ways to go to the gas chamber. Free and not free. Jean-Paul Sartre. So that even when all of your civil liberties civil liberties have been stripped away from you and you have no freedom at all, you can still choose to fight your way to the gas chamber, to willingly walk to the gas chamber. You get to choose how you feel. You can choose to hug people all the way to the gas chamber. I don't know, but that this quote blew my mind. Because even in the most dire of circumstances, you are still free. Everything can be taken away but from a man but one thing, 
the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. To choose one's own way. Viktor Frankl was a concentration camp survivor. He wrote The Man's Search for Meaning. So that even people who've been locked in concentration camps and taken and have all their freedom stripped away can still have access to freedom, which means you super moms can too, okay? So go, remind yourself that I can do whatever I want, whatever nourishes my soul, whatever makes me feel fully alive, whatever makes me feel like I'm living my best life. And notice the choices that you start making from a place of freedom. A lot of people are scared that they're just going to take off to Tahiti and leave the kids at home. But I have never seen that with my clients, that usually what they want to is something wonderful, delightful, freeing, and benign. (laughs) So I will love you and leave you. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.